Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Brian Bassanelli has been in the fire service for more than 32 years, both career and volunteer. He has been a career firefighter with the Harrisburg Bureau of Fire in Pennsylvania for 26 years, 16 of those years as a backstep before climbing the ranks from lieutenant to captain to now battalion chief on D-shift. You can find Chief Bassanelli sharing the jobs of the men and women of Harrisburg catch on his YouTube channel. Chief Bassanelli, the floor is yours. Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate it um, that, you know, you reached out to me and, and want to talk about uh, fire for a little bit. Um, I always enjoy doing that. So I appreciate the opportunity to join you. Thank you. So <clears throat> no problem. So how I got involved in the fire service is a kind of a long story. Uh, it starts way back when I was a little kid. Um, I, I lived in a, in a duplex house um, with uh, our neighbors were the Palmieri's and uh, there's this little town in Pennsylvania and they were very involved in the uh, local ambulance corps. And we would, they would take me down there um, to see the ambulances, the old Cadillac ambulances and stuff. Like I remember exactly how it smelled like when I walk into that building. And I think that was the first introduction watching the plectron in the kitchen their kitchen and then listening to the calls go out and seeing them run out and stuff like that made an impression on me very young uh you know in life and then as i grew up uh johnny and roy came into my life and that was an every day all day like that's all i wanted to do was watch emergency and then we would go out and reenact that out in the in the streets uh, with the neighborhood kids, like we were always doing some crazy stuff. We'd put our little yellow rain jackets on and our plastic emergency helmets and go out and uh, and just reenact everything that that we could. So then, you know, I I still wasn't old enough to do anything. And um, we had moved to this little town called Tatami and uh, they had a, a small fire department and I would go and, you know, and incessantly bother those guys. Uh, but they kind of would let me hang around at the firehouse. We'd ride our bikes down there and, and we just hung out with them for, for a long time. And they were, they were very nice to us. And then once uh, high school came around, I became an EMT and I wanted to uh, get into EMS and, and uh, be a paramedic and that kind of stuff. And then um, I met, uh, I got my EMT and I was riding the ambulance and I, I met uh, a guy named Mike Potopi. Uh, he was the paid guy on the ambulance, but he was also a volunteer uh, assistant chief in the township where I lived. And uh, he he kept talking to me about the fire department and my my parents initially really didn't want any part of that. And then uh, when I turned 18, I signed up for the initial class. And then uh, one day I happened to be at the firehouse in the middle of the day and we got a fire and that was it. Like. Okay. It was at that point that I was like, oh yeah, this is what I want to do. And uh, then the rest of it, you know, it was pretty typical, uh, tested all over the place and uh, was lucky enough to be given the opportunity to work in Harrisburg. And uh, I've been there ever since. And uh, I love it. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, I will say uh, whatever Chief Brian Enterline is doing in Harrisburg, you guys are 
top notch. I've watched all of your videos along with Kyle Paul's video uh, that he's that he shows up with uh, on on the tiller truck. And yeah, um, so I just want to know how how is it that the chief and his officers? How do you keep such a good culture in Harrisburg regarding pride, training, and camaraderie? Well, it's tough. Um, you know, you see, you get to see the good stuff, right? Like, right. We put out, we put out the stuff that, that, uh, we want you to see. And, you know, that whole, uh, environment takes a lot of work to not only develop, but to maintain. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we struggle sometimes, uh, like everybody else, we, we have, we have our ups and downs. Um, but I think it really, what really keeps us moving forward is a, a love for the job, uh, B understanding what our mission is and then C creating a standard that, uh, requires you to execute at a very high level. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, to a fault, uh, we hold people to that standard, right? Uh, you know, some days, some days, you know, you're on the mark, some days it's a little bit more challenging, uh, and you're probably going to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we just expect you to know your job, um, and go out there and execute it flawlessly. And, um, you know, we understand our mission. We we work in an area that is um, faced with a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, our our uh, city is always uh, claiming to be in financial ruin, and sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not. But right. Right. Uh, but the environment is tough. You know, there's people that are struggling to make it to tomorrow, and they depend on us. And we we very clearly understand where we fit into into the city and the services that we provide, and it and it means something to us to provide um, those services in the best way that we can. And I think that you know clearly articulating that and understanding that um, is the key to you know it's the foundation that we build upon. Um, and you know we have. We have some really good SOPs. They're very simple. Uh, the guys know them and, you know, they deploy with those in mind. We course correct uh, when we have to, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, they just go to work and and they know where they're supposed to be. They know what they're supposed to do when they get there and uh, and they do it. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah, but like I said, it's, you know, we do work on that and it is challenging. We don't, knock it out of the park every day. I'm, I'm very proud of our guys. I think they do an excellent job, but like anything, we, we run into some occasional um, blips, but we're also not afraid to talk about that and, uh, you know, and move forward and, and say, okay, you know, how can we make this better for tomorrow? Awesome. Awesome. And it sounds like one important factor the chief has with his officers to pass along to the firemen is consistency. You guys are consistent. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, it's easy. Our environment does set up uh, for consistency because we do go to the same fires a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have um, singles, doubles, 
and rows of wood frame and ordinary construction, turn of the century construction. And, um, you know, that's the, that's the lion's share of our fire duty. So it does help in that we, we're very zeroed in on what our fire problem is. And, um, you know, so it does help to create consistency because we, we, we work to be good at that. And we, you know, we set up our drills and stuff to, to kind of be based off of the types of fires we go to. So, you know, we are, I think sometimes we struggle transitioning out of that uh, environment when we go to other fires. Uh, they're a little bit more challenging to us because they're, uh, they don't come at the same frequency and we have to take ourselves out of that uh, row house mindset and transition into a different type of fire. So sometimes we struggle there, uh, but, you know, the guys are really good at, at, at acknowledging what's happening and adapting and then, and going, you know, going after it. Right. Right. Um, so for, for those that don't know, can you tell us um, the, the, you know, the, the size of your stations or this, I'm sorry, the size of your departments in Harrisburg? Yeah, so we have just under 100 firefighters right now. Uh, we run out of three stations. Uh, two of them uh, we call the big stations. They're identical. Um, they each have an engine and a truck that run out of them. And then we have one single station that has an engine rescue. So uh, we have a 75-foot um, aerial scope and a 100-foot tractor-drawn aerial. And then two uh, wagons, we call them. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, one squad, which is an engine rescue. And typically our engines are staffed with three and our, our trucks can go down to three, but they're somewhere between three and five, depending on staffing. Nice. Um, we have, and then one battalion chief for the shift. Um, and we have generally uh, a captain and two lieutenants um, working at any given time. So we can go down to a minimum of 15 people on shift and we, we don't really have a max, but we kind of max out around 22 to 25, depending on the shift. Okay. Okay. Um, we're seven square miles of land. Uh, it's 11 square miles. The city's 11 square miles, but three of it is river. So we're seven square miles of land. We have a downtown an uptown and a hill. And the, the downtown is, you know, high rises uh, to mid rises to old, um, you know, multi-floor uh, ordinary wood frame, turn of the century commercial buildings. And then our uptown and our hill district is predominantly uh, residential. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a pretty cool place to work. There's about 50,000 people at night and it can go up to over a hundred um, to 150,000 during the day. It is the state capital. So we have a lot of people coming in right. uh, during the day. Right. And um, does your department allow your engines to perform engine work and your ladders to do truck work or hundred percent? Yeah. Okay. Um, they're, they're, they're very, our trucks are dry trucks. They're always trucks gotcha. and our engines um, are going to be doing engine work. Now, that being said, when we start to spread out in a row house situation, um, you know, we spread our uh, companies out a little thin sometimes uh, you may be assigned your own building as a company, and then you're going to be responsible for doing both engine and truck work in that particular building until okay. we get some reinforcements there to back them up. 
Okay. So on a, on a typical box alarm, I'm, I'm assuming you're getting all three stations. Um, well, technically yes, but not all the apparatus. So we'll get two engines and two trucks. So tower one is citywide and squad eight is citywide. So then you'll either, and then so is truck two. So you'll get the two trucks and then the engine of the district and the, and the squad. Okay. So there's one left. And then when we fill out our, we call it, so the initial box, we call a tactical box. And then we fill that out to the first alarm. If it's like a working fire assignment, mm-hmm. we'll get the remaining engine. Um, we'll get a heavy rescue from the DLA, which is a military installation. They'll come as our RIT team. We get a County air truck and a County tower ladder. Um, and then our like our admin chiefs will come out. Okay. And then every assignment after that is pretty much that entire thing just repeated over and over. Okay. Okay. And would it be fair to say that your mutual aid companies, um, they're uh, the ones that that I've seen that respond into Harrisburg on incidences. They're pretty much dialed in pretty well. Yes. Um, we we've had a long standing relationship with them because. You know, we can, we can, we used to have another station and then they closed that. So we would get an additional truck company. We had three engines and three trucks, but they closed that third truck. Um, so it was a little different in the past, but when they came in, you know, they were expected to work and, and do the job that uh, anybody else was doing the way we do it. And they've done that. Uh, they've been very good for us over the years. Um, and I think we've been good for them as, you know, experience wise and stuff. And it's a, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, but yeah, for the most part, um, they've come in and, and really, uh, you know, helped us uh, and, and they've operated at a level that, uh, you know, we can be happy with. Right. Absolutely. Um, what I don't remember which video it was, but what I loved was there was an incident you had, you were in command of, and Chief Enterline came and he didn't even take over. He was just like, you good? Yep. All right. I'm going over here to do this. Like, I love seeing the fact that the fire chief knows that his battalion chiefs that he has in positions are there to do their job. Like, he doesn't have to come in and be like, all right, I'm taking over. Yeah, um, he d- he doesn't. And um, so, uh, you know, a lot of times when we're running a fire, uh, they'll come in, they'll check in with us and then either fill in a, a job, um, in the command structure or, you know, go interior or, you know, uh, be a rear sector officer, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to say sector anymore, uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, any of those things, um, They'll they'll go out and and take one of those positions, but rarely uh, do they take over. Um, You know, and it is it is good. um, You know, sometimes maybe I would like to have him take over so I could go go do some stuff. Right. (laughs) But uh, but, you know, they trust us to do our job and, um, you know, they they let us do that. And they they uh, um, they do. You know, it's it has allowed me to develop. Uh, rapidly as a battalion chief because it, it is mine. Awesome. Um, you know, so that's good. Okay. All right. Um, what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and continue loving the job you're doing? Cause you've been in it for a while now. 
yeah, that sneaks up on you. You don't really think that, you know, all of a sudden right. you're like, oh man, I've been here for, for right. a minute. So um, I, I just, I love it. Uh, I don't really, you know, at the, at the foundational level, like it's what I wanted to do. I have the, the, you know, been given the opportunity to, to do it. And I, I love doing it. I don't look forward to having to walk away from this, which, you know, inevitably mm-hmm. will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think that, uh, it's people is for the most part, um, whether it's the people that we serve or the people that we serve with, um, you know, it's, it's about them. I did have the, this is a weird way to say this, but the, the benefit, um, fortunate benefit of understanding fire loss. Uh, my grandparents' house burned during a snowstorm one night and they, and they lost everything and they had to rebuild uh, from scratch. And the, the loss that was incurred for them and the, the stress that it, you know, put upon them and stuff like that. I've never, um, I've never lost that. And, you know, I also, my, my grandparents live in Montana and uh, it's a rural community. And um, I was also with my grandfather when he passed away and ended up riding in the ambulance to the hospital uh, because there's only two people on the ambulance. And, um, you know, I've experienced some serious loss like that at, at a very uh, early age and it never left me as far as like why we why we do this and i know how i felt um after those things and and uh, you know after my grandfather passed i was outside of the emergency room and the uh one of the emts that was on the ambulance came and sat with me and and talked to me for a while and it had a major impression on me which i didn't understand at the the time that it did but looking back at it it's like you know it's it's about how we treat people and, you know, the opportunity that we have to step into somebody's life at their worst possible moment and, and try to, you know, help them and, and, and make things better. And they did that for us. And, um, you know, I, I look at it as kind of like a repaying that. And, uh, you know, I think that's super, super important. Uh, and then, you know, I think we have to just, if we understand our mission and we remain focused on that. It's, you know, you get sometimes and I'm not going to sit here and say that I never was not motivated. Mm-hmm. Like there was some times in my career where uh, I was a little checked out. And yeah. then at at one point or another, I, w- I was able to say, this isn't who you wanted to be. And um, and re- kind of reset that and said, OK, no. You're right. I, I kind of creeped away from where I should be and I got to get myself back on course. And uh, I, you know, thankfully I was able to do that. Uh, I, I think I was able to, you know, do that. And uh, so I think that's, you know, understanding the mission, uh, serving people. And then now, you know, as, as time has gone on, I think it's, you know, I'm setting an example for my daughter to, um, how you're supposed to live your life. And, uh, you know, I think that's what keeps me focused. You know, she's, she's playing lacrosse. She's a captain on her lacrosse team 
and uh, you know, we're having discussions about leadership and, you know, things that I never anticipated having that level of discussion with her, you know, and so my, the example that I set for her, uh, the, the ability to carry out my job and for her to, to see that uh, is a huge motivational factor for me. So I think those are the things that really keep me moving forward. Um, and, you know, and it's fun to go to fires. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> you know? And you, and you know, <laughs> definitely Harrisburg's not lacking in that. That's for sure. Well, my shift is lately. I've, they had a fire last night, uh, abandoned high school, but um, I, I can't seem to catch a fire these days. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's just that cycle. It just it, It's on somebody else right now, and then I'm sure eventually it'll work its way yeah. towards the shift. It'll be back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what are your ultimate goals if you haven't already, you know, reached them already? You know, I think I've reached some of my goals. Um, I did want to be a battalion chief, but I, I think that, uh, in order to, to stay motivated and, and keep going, you have to, you have to reset those goals as you move through life. Like I, you know, I've had many goals throughout my career and, um, I've been pretty lucky to to attain most of them. And now that I'm at Battalion Chief, I don't see myself going any higher than this position because uh, I love, you know, being in the mix and and getting out there and being in the firehouse and spending time with the guys. And like that's that's a huge part of this for me. And um, I, I don't know that I would enjoy it as much if I didn't get to to do that. So as far as that's concerned, I think I'm where I want to be, but that doesn't mean that I'm done. Uh, you know, I need to set new goals for myself. Um, I've been doing a lot of, uh, a lot more training, some, you know, personal development type of training, leadership training. Like I have a, I have a huge responsibility in, you know, being the officer in charge of our shift. And I take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm not so naive to think that something bad can't happen, but I'm going to do everything possible to prevent that or to be able to be in a good position to react effectively to a situation. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of work to be done yet. And I just have to keep, you know, going out there and the, the world around us does not stop. And at no point in my career have I ever felt like I'm I've reached a point where I can stop. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm just going to keep moving forward, uh, do my best to serve, uh, the community and the, and the people that I'm, that I'm on shift with and, uh, you know, keep myself in the right mindset. I think those are, those are my goals right now. No, that's well said. Someday, I'll, someday I'd like to retire. There's a lot of things I want to do, yes. uh, but, uh, I'm not willing to like really come to terms with that in my head yet. Like, there's more fires to go to. <laughs> All right. Um, with that being said, uh, you were pretty much, you were a backstep for quite a while. What, um, what took you so long or when did you decide, you know what, I've, I've done this fireman thing long enough. I think I'm ready to move up. Like what, what kicked that? Because nowadays you hear um, certain officers telling younger firemen, hey, promote fast, promote often. I can tell you I'm not one of those. I have been 
in the back for I'm on my 16th year. I just recently got promoted to uh, my department calls a senior firefighter. It's just a relief driver. But I had so many people going, hey, you know what's going on? Like, why don't you want to promote? And I'm like, it's not a bad thing if I don't want to promote. So what are your what are your thoughts on that? So um, I, di- I did eight years on an engine company and then I did eight years on a on a truck company. And one of the things that I always felt was important was understanding the job and mm-hmm. um, and and, you know, when we, every generation says, oh man, I wish I could go to the amount of fire service, you know, that, that the guys used to go to or whatever. And we say like, well, we're not gaining experience uh, at the rate that we used to. I don't know that I totally agree with that. When you specifically talk about fires, maybe that's true, but the job is evolving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're gaining experience in the job as it is today, right? Like we keep looking back and we're nostalgic for the war years or, you know, when, when people were going to fires all the time and that's great. Like I'll do that as much as anybody else, but we have to understand that this is this, this career or in the environment that we work in is evolving. So you're gaining experience today for the job as it is today. And um, that's important to think about. Um, it's also important to think about the fact that you're, you're responsible for people's lives and, um, the, the way fire, uh, progresses in our buildings today is, is potentially a little bit more violent than it used to be. It was very predictable before. Mm -hmm. Um, and now we're looking at, uh, so many different factors that are beyond the fire. The fire pretty much is the fire, right? It's physics. So it's going to, it's going to be what it is. Right. But, you know, we're changing um, the buildings. We're changing the materials that are inside the buildings. Right. Now we're adding volatile, you know, batteries into the mix. You know, mm-hmm. these fires are developing rapidly. So when things go wrong, it goes wrong in a really bad way, very quickly. And, you know, having the experience to recognize that and react to it and be really good in in your skills is critical. So for me, I I wanted to I wanted to have a good foundation for um, moving up in the chain because I I take the role of um, protecting the people I'm with very seriously, you know, and, you know, we, I I lost um, my best friend to a line of duty death, although it was not an operational line of duty death, he was killed uh, by somebody had, it was high on PCP and stole a car and hit him as he was coming in for recall um, to a fire. But, you know, that loss is, is a tremendous loss to all of us. And, you know, you don't want to go through that kind of stuff. So you have to, you have to take the job very seriously. And I'm not saying that people can't promote early in some, in some situations, uh, some departments, you know, it is what it is. Like I promoted to battalion chief when I did not because I wanted to, I'd only been a captain for two years on, on the truck company. And, you know, this is karma the way, you know, the fire service gods, you know, 
laughing at me. We got this beautiful new tiller truck and then I had to promote off of it right away. So uh, I was like, of course, of course. But, you know, um, I had to get I had to take that job as a battalion chief because of my age and everybody else's age. If I didn't, I was never going to have the opportunity to to move up. The rest of my career would have been spent as a captain, which, you know, would have been fun. But Mm -hmm. uh, it was a goal to get to to where I'm at. Okay. But I think that, um, you know, you have to you have to take it seriously. Don't rush it. First of all, enjoy it. Right. It's fun to go to it's fun to go to fires. It's fun to be on that engine. And once you leave it, it's not coming back. Right. (laughs) Right? Like you have changed who you are fundamentally within the fire service structure. And it's never really been the same because you have to be an officer and you're just held in a different light uh, when you start to move there. And you have to realize that sometimes guys struggle with, with that, you know, Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. be in the mix with the guys, but you're, you're still not just one of the guys guys. anymore. Thank you. And, and so that's important to know. And you have to, you have to really think about that. So, you know, I don't, I, I, I did tests for a lieutenant and I did some acting time and then I kind of stepped away from it for a while because I just didn't feel like I was ready. Of course, I didn't get promoted uh, off that list, but I it gave me a taste of it. And I was like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not ready to do this. So then I waited a few more years mm-hmm. and then and then when I felt comfortable with it, I was like, OK, I'm, I'm going to try this again. Gotcha. And, you know, and then I moved up, but so I think it's something, you know, it's a serious decision. You got to really think about it. And, uh, you know, does it add value to your life? Are you adding value to somebody else's life if you move into that position? And, you know, uh, the stakes are high. You have to be able to uh, say, yes, I, mm-hmm. I can add value here. Mm-hmm. If, if you can't, then don't do it. Right. Right. Uh Talking to other firemen that I meet, you know, uh, one thing I know I can say that I it's a pet peeve of mine is when I ask somebody, hey, why'd you promote? And they go, oh, it's more money. Like to me, that reason in itself is is the worst decision because firemen know most firemen don't we're not in this to make money. But when I hear somebody say, oh, you know, yeah, I want it to be captain because it's more money. I just kind of look at you like, OK, you're definitely not you're not seeing it the way I see it. Yeah. hundred percent. And well, luckily for me, um, not, not luckily for me, but it's not more money. It's not that much more money, right? Like right. it's not, it's not that much more money that I could be like, Oh, I'm doing it for the money because you're not right. But I know in some departments that's different, but uh, the thing, one of the things that I struggle with, I, I agree with you 150%. I, I think that when you, when you take this job, Nobody came to your house and said, you're going to work for the Harrisburg Bureau of Fire now. Like Mm -hmm. I, I sought that I fought for that. I tested all over the place. I did everything I could to get that job. And then I swore an oath. And to me, that has to mean something. And I knew full well what the um, income situation was when I took the job mm-hmm. and I, and I still wanted to do it. One of the things that I struggle with now sometimes is separating 
myself and those who I think are of similar mindset and those who are not as into the job and understanding that motivation is different for different people. Mm -hmm. And there's two different types of people who are not as into the job. There's those that come to work and are really good and proficient at their job. They just don't live it 24 seven. Right. And then there are those who took the job because somebody said it's, you know, there's a pension, it's a civil service job. Right. You know, 10 days, uh, 10 days a, uh, a week you work. Right. And I, and I struggle with those people, but that's systematic and we can't really change that. Right. Like, so in Pennsylvania, we have civil service law, like mm-hmm. you can have a little bit of uh, leeway with the interview process and, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you have a bona fide candidate, you have a bona fide candidate and, and there's laws regarding that. It's not just as easy as some places where they can be like, no, we're going to take this guy and this guy and those guys were not take like, we can't always do it that way. Right. Um, so, you know, you do get, you get people that are not as motivated and, um, you know, I struggle. Uh, I think sometimes with how to motivate those people, get them, you know, keep them in the loop, not get frustrated with them. Um, you know, but I, but I have to understand that I'm probably not going to change them. Right. So I gotta, right. I gotta do everything I can to understand them and try and figure out what does motivate them mm-hmm. and, and work at it from a different angle. But that's, that can be, that can be tough sometimes. Oh no, absolutely. Because I could say with my experience that it seems like it's easy for a candidate to get hired within a fire on a fire department. And then once that candidate's probation times over, it takes an act of Congress to get rid of that individual, even when they're not meeting the standards of the fire department. Like it's it to me, it's like it's a it's a it's a gift and a curse that a lot of departments are having where you can't just go, hey, you're getting tossed because you're not meeting the 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 quota, the criteria of the department. And I wish there is some way we could change that. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I know that there's departments out there that are changing it. Uh, but I do think that a lot of that, you know, I think Wichita has a really good uh, mindset um, on on how they bring people onto the job and what their expectations are. I mean, from mm-hmm. what I've heard mm-hmm. uh, and talking to guys there. But at the same time, you know, everybody, you know, we're the fire service is a weird, weird little <laughs> monster in that, you know, we we shape ourselves for you in the way we want you to see us. Right. And we, we don't put out the the bad stuff that's going on internally or the challenges that we have. That's never there. It's just like come to Harrisburg and, and go to fires every day. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's not exactly accurate, but that's the picture that we like to paint because right. that's what we do. Right. But every department struggles. Some departments handle it better than others. And some departments are kind of um, held captive by some of the laws of their state and and i think pennsylvania is one of those and those laws can be beneficial too but it makes it really challenging when you get somebody who is not really living up to 
um, the standard. And, you know, we're a small job, so you can't ship them off to the slow district or whatever, right? Like (laughs) they're just, they're there, right? Right. We don't have an option. You got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's, it's a challenge for a lot of departments. And I, if I, if I knew the right answer on how to fix it all, um, I would be writing books, I guess. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, but it's, it is something that we deal with all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times, the best way and, you know, our society is evolving. They probably don't really agree with my opinion on this, but sometimes I think the best way to handle that is for the guys at the street level to, you know, just kind of either make it comfortable or uncomfortable for those people mm-hmm. and hold each other accountable, call right. them out, you know, but you also got to try and build build people up. You got to understand that, mm-hmm. you know, just because a guy is motivated different than you doesn't mean that he's worthless to our operations. And and there's a lot of people who are happy to just say that. Right. And, you know, those, you just got to figure them out and, and try and, and get in their head a different way and get the most that you're going to get out of them. And, um, it's a challenge though. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely is. It definitely is. Um, I did hear a quote. I can't remember where I heard it from, but it was like uh, somebody asked, uh, I forgot the conversation, but it, anyways, it was, hey, uh, what do you think of such and such? And if you hear that person start with, they're a good person, but anytime you hear that they're a good person, you're like, eh, okay, definitely not really fireman material. Right. And it's weird because um, the the immediate answer for anybody on your team should start with they're a good person, right? Like we want good people. Right. But we have kind of adapted that to be like, like you said, like, you know, oh, he's a great fireman, like, uh, and a good person. But if they start with good person. Right great fireman never follows it and and (laughs) and yeah it's you know you just you really just hope that somebody's not saying that about you right Uh, exactly yep you know but but we want good people and you know if we get good people a lot of times with the proper environment and support we can Mm -hmm. make great firemen correct absolutely definitely agree hands down okay uh, in, in your opinion, what are key elements or factors needed to make a good firefighter? <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about some things that I think are not the typical go-to answers immediately for this, mm-hmm. but I think that there's five things that you, six things really that you need to, um, focus in on, uh, or have as, as character traits or values uh, vulnerability, honesty, humility, uh, gratitude, generosity, and integrity. Um, if you don't have those in one way or another, you're going to struggle. Uh, if you can develop a relationship with those things earlier in your career, you'll be more effective in, in the long term. Um, if you are unable to look at yourself and your performance or have somebody else look at your performance 
um, and, and give you feedback or whatever you're, you're going to struggle. You know, we, I, I like to kind of aggressively look at our incidents um, and review them and talk about things. And, and that can be tough. And, you know, if I'm unwilling to uh, put myself in that mix, then I'm never, I can never expect anybody else to uh, do the same. So when we look at um, helmet cam videos and, and that kind of stuff, you know, you'll see, you'll see my helmet cam um, or my command post camera and, you know, all of my nonsense is in there too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I am as uh, important to review from a, you know, did we meet the standards uh, aspect as any, anybody else? So I think vulnerability, first of all, uh, is, is critical. And, and, you know, that's on the fire ground. You also need to be a little bit vulnerable within the firehouse too. Um, I, I feel like we play characters, uh, you know, you get out of your car and by the time you've left your car and walk into the firehouse, you've transitioned into the role that you've developed for yourself to play in that, right. you know, you're not, I always said if the best way to understand uh, who a person really is, is to like have a family Christmas party at the firehouse or something like that, where their whole family is there. Mm-hmm. And then, then you get to see who that person really is, not who mm-hmm. they're playing. But so I think that, you know, we need to be, understanding and vulnerable uh in in a couple different ways number one like if somebody's going through some stuff at home uh you know given the right circumstances it's it's okay to to talk about that at work right like you know we spend i spend more time at the firehouse than i do at home because of our our uh, schedule and so like that's that's a family too and right. I have things that I bring with me to work and sometimes it negatively affects me and I got to be vulnerable enough to acknowledge it and or have a conversation about it with somebody and say, hey, you know, this is what's going on today. I'm, I'm you know, struggling in this respect or whatever. And, and so we got to give a little grace to people in those situations. We still have to perform. We still have to do our job but it helps me and everybody else to understand each other a little bit better to know, you know, tonight, today may be an off day or, you know, whatever. So we got to be, get ourselves set up to be, to have those conversations and not just put up those walls and, you know, be completely ego driven and like, Oh, I'm a tough firefighter. I'm going to come in here. Everything's great. You know, that's just not the way it works. And, you know, when you look at the leading cause of firefighter death right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. is suicide, like mm-hmm. something's failing, right? right? Brotherhood, like all that kind of stuff. Like, where are we at with that? Because the numbers don't lie. Right. We have a problem. And uh, I think it starts with vulnerability, uh, which is, you know, characteristically a challenging thing for uh, not only males, which, you know, we predominantly are. Uh, and I think also type a personalities, like it's, that's a, just, it's a, it's a really tough place for us to get. Right. Uh, and then once you do that and you go through and you can look at the other stuff, like you need to be honest with yourself, like, okay, I didn't do so great on that fire. Why not? 
was I not in the game? You know, do I need to spend some more time in the gym? You know, do I need to eat better? Do I need to work on my skills? Should I have drilled on that more? Whatever it is, you just got to be honest with yourself and say, okay, uh, you know, maybe there's some room for improvement. Right. And, uh, you know, I think where all firefighters could use a little dose of self-honesty is education and training. Uh, you know, the fire academy is not the end of your education and training. Correct. And so many places, uh, guys kind of fall into that trap. Well, I'm here, I'm out here doing it. And, you know, the department has training or whatever, but, you know, you got to take a little self-responsibility and be honest that, you know, again, I said it before that the environment is evolving. Therefore our education and training are never ending. So then, you know, you got to be humble. Uh, Some days you do good. Some days you don't, you don't do so good. It's not about us. It's about the mission and the people we serve and serve with. And you got to, you know, allow yourself to fit in there at the appropriate places. Um, like I said, they didn't come and get you. Right. Uh, you went after them. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you signed know. up for it. Right. Uh, and then gratitude. You know, I am so thankful to have the opportunities that I've had uh, to be able to, you know, it's kind of crazy, but I, I'm, I am grateful to have the opportunity to step into somebody's life at their worst moment. Mm-hmm. Like think about what you're doing for that person or, you know, the, the, I don't want to sound melodramatic about it, but like, it's important. And it is, I am grateful to have had the opportunity to help people in a bad way, get to a better place. And I think that's, you know, fundamentally what we should be doing as humans. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve the city and I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve um, the members of the D battalion. And I, um, you know, I, I just hope that I can do them justice. They go out there and do the lion's share of the work. And I kind of just stand there and, uh, help facilitate it. Um, but I, am grateful for, for the opportunity and for the trust that's been put in me to, to do that job. Um, and it means a lot. And then I think once you kind of, well, first of all, uh, before I go to that integrity, um, you know, what are you doing when nobody's looking? That's mm-hmm. the that's the important stuff. And whether it's uh, personal relationships uh, in, you know, in the firehouse, um, you know, when you're out on the street, you know, making decisions, are you going to are you going to go that extra mile? Or are you going to inconvenience yourself a little bit because it's the right thing to do? Like you got to have that the integrity. And I think it's it's tough to maintain that it's getting seems to be getting tougher, you know, in our society to maintain that um, because our motivations are being changed by social media and, you know, a lot of different things, but that's a, that's a different topic. (laughs) Uh, But, um, you know, doing the right thing, when it needs to be done because it's the right thing and not because it serves you uh, is important. So like, if you, if you work on those things and you build that foundation and, and you do have gratitude, you end up with gratitude for where you're at. Then, then you can really start to be generous 
with the things that you've been able to accomplish in your life. You know, you, you can just be generous as a person and it's not financial. It's just offering support, being there for other people, passing on things that you've learned. It's, it's a lot less about the ego or who you are or what you've accomplished and more about, Hey, let's, let's go do this thing and let's really do it well. Mm-hmm. And you have to get to a point where you're kind of, you know, self-adjusted to, to be able to do that. Because if you're failing in any of those other places, you're not, you're not effectively going to be generous with yourself and pass that, that on the way you could be. And, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say that, um, it takes work right. and, you know, sometimes we do really good at it and sometimes we don't do as good at it. And I think that, but it's the ultimate goal. Like I, I want to be able to share with you myself in a way that adds value to your life. And, uh, if I, if I'm not hitting the marks with vulnerability, honesty, humility, integrity, then somewhere along there, there's going to be a friction point that's going to slow me down and I'm not going to be able to do that. And I, I want people that are adding value to my life to be in my life. Like if you, I've had the occasion over the last couple of years to kind of forensically look at some things uh, because, you know, some different things that happened uh, and, and see who those people were and who Mm -hmm. those people weren't. And it's tough to let go of some of those people because some of them are surprising on who they are. Right. But the the quicker you get to the point where you say that person is taking value from my life, I have to let them go, mm-hmm. uh, the better off you're going to be. And that's tough. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. But but there is, you know, I, I like to say like the clouds are only a few thousand feet thick and there's always a blue sky on the other side of those clouds. Right. Like. Some days it seems really stormy. Some days it seems like it's never going to end, but just three, 4,000 feet. And maybe, you know, if it's a big storm, it could be a lot more than that. But on the other side of that, there's a beautiful day. Right. And, but you got to do the work to get there. Absolutely. So. Not well said. Uh, last question. In your opinion, what do you think the American fire service can improve on? Well, um, I think I think taking care of each other is is important. Uh, again, the numbers are showing that we're not doing a, a good job of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know the answers to how we get better at that, but we're we're seeing we're seeing uh, relatively safe fire ground operations um, and we're not uh eating right Are we we're up? driving too fast yep. we're not wearing our seatbelts um and we are not seeing the warning signs um for serious mental health issues right so we need to do a better job of taking care of each other number one uh, i think that's the most critical because the other stuff doesn't matter if you if, if we're not going to be here. Right. Right. So, right. Um, but I think the other uh, two other things that come to mind, one is just keeping up. We need to keep up with the evolution of the world around us and, 
and modifying our responses to it so that we're always in we're less reactive, more proactive, and in a better position to respond effectively and efficiently. And whether it's building construction issues or the, you know, uh, there's a million different things. We just got to keep up with what's happening around us and accept that it's happening, right? Like mm-hmm. it's out there. The world is changing. We gotta, we gotta evolve with it, or else right. we'll, we'll marginalize ourselves out of the game at, at some point, right? Um, you know, and you know, people are like, oh, people always need the fire department. Like, really, what do we do? We, we just clean up messes, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, we just do it in a Right. But we do it in a very like flamboyant way. Like we make a show out of like responding and calling, but you know, public works does the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. just clean up the mess at a different time period. Mm-hmm. So I think we've, we've kind of allowed ourselves to, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm making fun of it a little bit, but like, you know, it is important work that we do, but you know, if we, if our town's, and our citizens don't find us effective, they're going to find another way to do it. Oh so yeah. We have to, we have to keep up. We have to, we have to keep moving forward with that. Um, and then uh, I think the, the other thing is we just have to, we have to understand that um, people go out and do their jobs in the way they do them in their town. And that, and that's the way they were taught. And that's the way they were, they, you know, their tactics have evolved based on where they're at. And when you see a video on social media or you see a photograph or whatever, it's a very small moment in time. Mm -hmm. And you have the, the ability to look at that with hindsight and having more information than those people had in in the moment, and we got to stop killing each other on social media. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Because you know when we look at that, you know, is that brotherhood? Is that integrity? Is that all of those things? No, it's it's not. Like I may not agree with something, but I wasn't there. Right. I have no idea why those things were done. And, you know, it used to be with photographs. Uh, now there's a lot more video, but like a photograph is like one two fiftieth of a second in time. How could you possibly extrapolate from that little slice of time mm-hmm. that you know what's going on mm-hmm. enough to publicly condemn the person right. who was doing it, right? right? Like that's, that's, that is not who we should be. So I think that we, you know, that does kind of go back to taking better care of each other, but, you know, it falls in the same vein, but like, you know, if you have something to add value and discuss a tactic or want to understand why something was being done, by all means, reach out and ask that question. But, you know, so many of these comments uh, just come from from bad places. And, you know, the yeah. other part of it is, and it's, you know, but I, you know, everybody, everybody says this, but it's hard, you know, that shouldn't mean anything. Cause who is that person to you? Nobody. So it doesn't matter and it doesn't matter, but we shouldn't do that to each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, we definitely, we, t- we, t- we tear each other down because sure. we do, we do take it to heart no matter what you, yeah, no matter whether what, you know the person or not. Right. Yeah. Cause you want to go out there, you want to do a good job. You know, you share something because you're like, you're proud of, of what you did 
and then you get you know berated for having done it you know it's a it's a tough thing now that does lead me to something else i think that is important is um when we when we go out and we go to an incident and we carry that incident out and we bring it to a conclusion and we go back we have to understand that just because nobody got hurt or nobody was killed and the fire went out or the situation was resolved and we went back to the station that is not the only parameters to qualify that as a successful response mm-hmm. and i think a lot of times those are the goals that well nobody got hurt everybody went home mm-hmm. we put the fire out yeah but <laughs> it was horrible right yeah. like so yeah. you yeah. got to be able to understand that those are not the parameters by which we should measure success yeah they are a part of it and we do want those things to happen but there's a lot more to it. We can't just stop there and then forget that fire and move on to the next. There's lessons to be learned. There's, um, you know, takeaways that we can uh, apply to our operations to hopefully improve them or evolve them as we go forward. But just to say, yep, nobody was hurt. Everybody went home, you know, safety. That's, that's the number one thing. Like I, I am all for being safe, uh, but I understand that I stood up in front of people, I raised my right hand uh, and said, I will stand between you and danger in your moment of need. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means that we're not going home. Mm-hmm. And you got to you gotta get yourself to a place where you understand that. Yep. Uh, if you're unwilling to do that, you will always, your performance will always suffer because you're not... You're not entering the fray as deeply as you might. And I know that some people are going to not totally agree. I'm not, I hear me when I say, I'm not saying go out and be rogue and do stupid things. Right. You know, there's, you got to be educated. You got to be constantly training. You got to be good at what you, you do. It's all part of it. But when that moment comes, somebody's depending on you you you're the person who said you were going to do this right we got to do it no no i agree i agree and we have granted i'm not a chief officer but i feel like the the word safety yes it means that we need to be safe but as you stated we need to look at hey did i position that apparatus correctly did i stretch that line as best as i could did i throw that ladder did i search this area well and i just feel like no chief or I can say no fireman wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what? I'm going to go into work today and I'm going to get myself killed. Like that's not what we do. You right. can do everything the correct way and something bad still happens. That's just the way this job is. And I feel like I, 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 I want chiefs to know no fireman wants to get killed. But at the same time, we do have a responsibility to act and mitigate the situation. And I hate whenever we pull up or departments pull up to a house and automatically go, yep, all right, um, yeah, it doesn't look like anybody's going to survive that. Uh, you know, we're going to write it off. We're going defensive. No, we're, we, are, we are not God. Only God can do that. We need to tactically look at the, 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 the residence or the structure that you're looking at and go, okay, we got fire shooting out here, but this window right here, 
There's nothing coming out of it. Maybe we could do a quick VES and just check that. And I just, yeah. it feels like certain departments are not doing that and they're just writing it off. Hey, good job, everybody. High five. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not how it is. Yeah. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name uh, names, uh, but we all saw within the last couple of years, some really egregious examples of departments not doing uh, that and, you know, being driven solely by policy and, and, you know, the, the results were not good. And I don't know how you can swear that oath and and do this job and just say, I understand that this is happening right in front of me and I'm the person, but my policy says I can't do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how you can rectify that in your mind um, because it, it, it's what we spend all of our time marketing ourselves to the public. Right. Close, as, close the as, door before you go to bed. Right. Like, right. you know, if you're going to tell people to, to do that and that we are the only thing that can save you, then you, you got to be the only thing. Like you can't save somebody if you're not trying to save them. Right. So I expect, you know, I tell my guys, you know, when they come on the shift and, and, and we're, you know, meeting, kind of going over expectations and and mindset and stuff like that. I tell them, I'm not going to knowingly send you off to your death. Right. But I do expect you to operate in harm's way. And, you know, we're going to go and we're going to, we're going to hold an aggressive position, uh, aggressive mindset. And, you know, I, I have a love hate relationship with the word aggressive because I think it's one of the most misused words in the fire service and and it stands to get some young inexperienced firefighters in serious trouble um because everything is aggressive 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 and, and like the word has been kind of diluted now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but there is a time when you know if you are educating your firefighters if you are training your firefighters if your equipment is chosen with purpose and laid out in in a way that it's helping drive the mission forward your policies support all of that that you can go forward and do some things that might be out there in the fringe because you've done the preparation if you are just showing up and putting in your time you know, you're asking the universe to smack you down in that moment. Right. And, you know, then when, when it happens, people are like, Oh my God, how did that happen? Well, it's very clear how that happened. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we, you know, acknowledge that we have to be prepared. And when we are prepared and ready to do those jobs and mentally ready to put yourself in a position where you may not come back from, then then we're doing what we're telling the public we're going to do you know look at the look at the school shooting in um uh tennessee tennessee yeah right like those dudes Mm -hmm. did like Mm -hmm. they went in there and did something and like that's what's that's what the public expects that's that's what you know they expect of us like we're going to show up and we're going to go and get after it and Mm -hmm. And we're going to do it with a little bit of hustle and we're yeah. going to do it in a, in a way like, you know, I, I don't mind if you run on the fire ground, 
but you know, be prepared to run on the fire ground. Mm-hmm. Right? Like train, like you know, people like to say, "Oh, we're tactical athletes" or whatever. Okay, well then do the work that a tactical athlete exactly. does, right? Like exactly, you know. So be be set so that you can go and you can run. Like I like I like certain people on my apparatus to come off with their face pieces on. And people will argue that and say, oh, situational awareness. I'm like, it's a condition of your job. How does your situational awareness change when you cross the threshold of a door? Mm-hmm. Right? Like you're telling me that your SCBA face piece in the front yard is 100% affecting your situational awareness to the point where you can't come off a rig with a face piece on. But then if you cross the threshold in the door it's not the same anymore. Right? right. Like, you know, so what I hate is like, we, we, we run to the rigs, we get on, we respond to emergency lights and sirens. We get to the, you get there, we get out in the yard and then we take a timeout mm-hmm. and we get dressed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. So I think if you're a nozzleman or you're in a search position, you should come off the rig with your face piece on. And if that occludes your situational awareness, then do the work so that it doesn't. It's it's that simple. Right. Like go, you know, they're showing, especially the like the firefighter rescue survey. Um, you know, they're showing, and we knew this, but seconds count. Right. Like, you know, we need to get those people out of these buildings as quickly as possible. We need to get in there and find them and to spend, you know, up to a minute. And, you know, some people say, well, it shouldn't take a minute. I, I get it. It shouldn't, but the but reality it, it, is. It happens. It, it, it does. Right. Like, so, you know, that's, you know, if I see you roll up to my house and I got somebody in the house that, uh, well, first of all, I would be in there trying to get them. Uh, but if, if, um, if you're in my yard and you, I called you for help and now you got to get dressed or you're fumbling around with, your water supply or whatever, like stretching lines. Like if like that's that stuff just has to play out and happen Mm -hmm. and you, you gotta be ready to do it. And if you're not, then you have work to do. Um, And, and, you know, some, some people don't want to talk about this. I think it's really important that, you know, we do the job as effectively as we can because people are depending on us to do it. This is not, well, I don't want to name a place. I don't want to make anybody feel bad about where right, they right, work. But it's right. not, it's not, it's not a typical job. No, it's and, not. You know, uh, it's not. sometimes I think people get get annoyed hearing that message, but that's what you signed up for. That's what you wanted to do. That's what you ran all over taking tests for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those are the moments like when you were when you were sacrificing everything to just get on a fire department. That's what you envisioned in your mind doing. Now you have the opportunity to do it. And, you know, you see guys all the time, like they just want to get back to the firehouse or they want to go. And I'm like, what? this doesn't calculate for me at all. Mm-hmm. Like no, no other job. Well, I shouldn't say this because I don't know. Uh, but I envisioned that in many other jobs, people don't work as hard to get that job. And then spend the rest of their career trying just as hard not to, not do, to do it. Yeah. Right. It right. doesn't make any sense. Right. And I, you know, that's something that I got to understand. Not everybody's motivated the same way, but it still doesn't have to make sense to me. Right. And, uh, you know, I just, I want to show up. I want us to do a good job. I want us to get out there 
and crush it every time. And sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. But if we develop those core values that I was talking about, then we can come back to the firehouse and talk about it. And it won't be it won't, you know, uh, degrade into a fight and we can, you know, work to make ourselves better for the next time. No, absolutely. That's that's what I hope, you know, that's that's what I hope of of the firefighters that I work with is show up, be engaged, try your hardest, be willing to do the work to make it better. And let's go out there. And, you know, I want to, I don't, I want to be off the radar most of the time, mm-hmm. but I want to be the, I want to be the shift that can be dependent on and, and they're going to come to us because they need something done. They go do it. Right. 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 Uh, b- before we end this, um, we mentioned, we talked about how, you know, nowadays uh, you could, you could look at police departments, they're being scrutinized for everything. And I, I will say it that to me, it feels like the pedestal shifting a little bit because people are now starting to look at the fire department too. You know, when you pull up to an incident, you got cameras watching you, watching every single thing you do, everything you don't do. And there have been some cases where, you know, some uh, some lawsuits have been filed where the lawyer is going to go, hey, yeah, we seen you guys pulled up. You did this and that. But why did you do this tactic? Why didn't you do this? So we also have to be mindful and careful that it can come back on us. It doesn't happen very often, but the the, the tide's shifting a little bit. Yeah, it, it's and it's going to continue to do so because um, same thing for the police. You know, the politics aside from from those incidents, because uh, there's been some good and some bad. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for us. Like the the thing that's different is um, you couldn't see it before. Right. Right. Like, right. so um, uh, again, I don't want to, I'm not going to name names, but there was a, there was a major city that had some, some issues uh, with their police department and the residents were like, Oh yeah. Like we've been saying this for, for mm-hmm. many, many years. You're mm-hmm. just finding out about it. You, right. You're finding out about what we knew. And so it's the same thing, like video, social media, you know, before. So if you remember like American heat videos and stuff like that. So like if somebody had a good fire back in the day, you had to wait. If you weren't in the region and saw it on the news, you didn't know about it. Maybe Uh somebody would write an article on fire engineering or an American heat video would come out or there would be some video that showed what was going on. But it was a while. It could be months later till you would see a video of that, or, you know, maybe you didn't see a video of it. Like when I came on the job, there was some guys that would go, uh, some of our off duty guys would video, uh, fires when they were around. And then, you know, one time they sent them to a company, they compilated them into a, into a thing and released it as Harrisburg fire videos, you know, like that's how you would go to the trade shows and there would be like, I forget the name of the company, but they would have all kinds of New York City videos and stuff. Like that's how we found out about this stuff. Now we've evolved to the fire is being broadcast live. Mm-hmm. So everybody's seeing it and it's people that, you know, either know something about firefighting or don't know. And you get, you really get yourself in trouble when the people that don't know figure out that you don't know what you're doing or you're, right. you're not efficient or effective. And uh, there was a fire. Uh, that was on YouTube, and um, the 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 lady the lady says, you know, her house is on fire. They 
They lost water. There's a lot of problems in this video. And the lady is like, yo, like, are you going to do something? And the fire chief turns around and says probably the worst thing he ever could have said. He's like, man, we're doing the best we can. And I was just like, no, <laughs> you're, not. you're not. You're not anywhere close to the best you can, right? Like, and I think that, you know, we have to, we have to understand that that's our world now. And, you know, I also think the public needs to understand, and it is inherently our responsibility to educate them that this is a challenging environment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, left, we'll use fire as an example, but left to burn, it will destroy whatever is burning. So, Somewhere in between there, we get in the mix and we try and stop it. Some days that's going to look really good. Mm-hmm. And some days it's just going to be a controlled uh, end to a bad situation that already happened. And we cannot save every house. We cannot save every building. We can't save every life. Right. But we're going to try and we're going to do our best. And that's where we we have to understand that we have to tr- we have to be doing the work to do our best. Then we have to educate the public on what success looks like. And, you know, I think as much as television does good for us, like when you look at Johnny and Roy and, and what they did for the American fire service, and now look at, you know, the shows that are on today. Uh, I don't think they're doing the same things for the American fire service. Right. And so our public is now taking what they learn on television in drama series and applying it to what they see in cell phone video that's being broadcast live and it doesn't it doesn't equate but they don't understand that the interior environment uh, of a house fire is not like what they see the interior environment of a house fire on tv is mm-hmm. uh and so that's that's a challenge for us and it's going to be a challenge people are going to be like well, hey why didn't you do this or why aren't they putting water on it and you know sometimes there are legitimate reasons that those things are happening mm-hmm. and then there's the other times when you look at the video and you're like man i wish that camera wasn't on and you know uh you gotta hope that you're not in that video right right and you know but if you're if you're showing up, you're engaging, you're doing the work, and you're being as prepared as you can, then you know hopefully that video is is you know you don't mind being in that video because you're doing everything that you can. Mm-hmm. But so it's a tough it's a tough situation. It's not going to get better. No, I, I don't think it's going to get better. Yeah, and then that was that was the the way technology is now. Right. Exactly. But uh, Chief, I do appreciate it. I appreciate uh, you coming on. We can talk shop. Uh, I'm, I'm just awesome messages being sent out today. Um, great discussion. And I, I want to say I appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm honored that you thought of me. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, anytime you want to talk about fires, I'm, I'm always willing. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Good to know. Uh, just, just hang on here as I end this and uh, we, we'll wrap up privately. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.